Everybody, we're, we're back. We're back. So I think we're just going to start rolling and let's see where it goes. Uh, great to see you back, G-Man. I am not going to say your name because every time I say it, I say it wrong. <laughs> so you're going to be called G-Man for the rest of the podcast. I like it. I like it. So, mm. dude, I wanted to ask you, how was TI for you as an as an observer? You know, this is the first time that you're actually following actively the game, that you're playing the game, and then you get to see the highest level of competition. Tell me uh, about the whole experience. You know, it, it was the best TI I've ever watched. It's the first TI I've watched. Um, but, I, you know, I, I couldn't help but experience it partially also through the lens of my viewers because uh, I'm barely experienced enough to see what's going on despite having like 500 games in Dota 2 right now. Uh, obviously, it's super high level and much of it I am missing, but I am seeing like, I'm seeing like the general tendencies, you know, the, 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 the damage reduction meta, uh, I'm not familiar with previous metas, but I'm I'm gleaning like little facts from different people where, you know, apparently Wraith Pact is a new item and Book of Necronomicon is now not... Uh, you see the tweet can... from Seb. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> you can't purchase it anymore. So like, a lo yeah, a lot of different, a lot of things changed. And I've looked at the previous TIs and I've seen like uh, Cloud9 not having a TP. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> you went there? Bro. <laughs> What? I was in that game. Who goes Scepter's up? Secret are pushing top. They're also pushing bottom. What's Dying the move here? The C9 go for throws. They've got to back off. They're not even going for the racks right now. Where are the TPs? Vata does not have a TP. Envy oh, no. also, I don't think, has a TP. No one has TPs. This is Familius game. The Suns, they go for the throne. Oh no, it's a catastrophe. The Cloud9. Here comes S4 as well. They're just running back. They're running for dear life. They've got to protect the face. Archeezy now pops the ultimate. There's no clip available. He dies in the GG. fountain, but he's got ages. He can't even fight back and TP home. They're just going to get the throne off of this. Holy shit, Cloud9 have lost game two. I can't believe it. What just happened? I was on cloud nine. Yeah. Ah, that was big, uh, big daddy note. <laughs> I I had TP, bro. My four dudes in the TP. Oh my oh, god! I was running to them with my TP. You understand? I was that was back when you could hand over TPs. I was trying to get my course. I, I'm sorry. I remember now. I did not do this on purpose. I'm just remember. It's cool. You've got plenty to make up for it in later TIs, right? <laughs> TI seven eight. But I, I had an experience like that in WCG two thousand and three. I was playing the Warcraft 3 2 on 2 tournament with my countrymate Myth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, we were like, we were in the semifinals against the Taiwanese team that would end up winning it. Spoiler. And I was like, uh, TP, TP. And maybe, I don't know if you ever have this. That's my next question to you guys. But if you are, if you're making calls and they're extra stressful, does it lead to more mistakes or does it depend on your teammates' stress re response? Uh, so what happened is I'm like, TP, TP, TP. And he double taps his TP. So it goes to his own base instead oh. of to mine. So I end up fighting 1v2 and he has no TP and no way to buy TP. <laughs> and then ah. we ended up losing that match. Uh, so yeah, TPs can be the source of many frustration. Do you ever have that where um, like you call too stressfully? Of course, that's a really good topic, right? Uh, Seb has this incredible story that resembles like the extremes, right? I think... 
uh, I think there's one extreme when you're telling somebody who's maybe already not in a good state of mind and you're stressing something out. Uh, he was playing some, I want to say it was NA servers, so things get extra spicy over there. They were fighting <laughs> over some ancient stack and he had this warlock on his team and the enemy is coming to contest the ancient stack. And Seb goes like, warlock, come, we can take this stack with your rock, like, or we can fight for this stack with your rock. And the warlock interprets this like, I'm just going to rock the stack. So he just goes there, <laughs> rocks the stack and gets one shot by the neutrals. And it's like, now what? <laughs> so there's, of course, a thing. Uh, and it's been a thing throughout the, the ages of, of, of teams, especially in the beginning. You see it all the time. Teams had to learn that when you start playing Dota for other people, when you start making calls for other people, um, it tends to have a bad outcome. It tends to be a big fallout. And for sure, there's a thing when you are sending a message especially if the message starts getting translated into you know do this exactly do what i'm seeing uh, it does you don't get what you want this way you have to yeah. there has to be like a general guidance towards the same place between the two of you playing for other people doesn't really work there's many good habits i've seen through uh, you know players who try to to overcome this dilemma because dota is still a game of like yeah, you're having a fight one place of the map, somebody is farming the other side of the map. It's like, how do we make the same thing happen if they're diving me under the tower or vice versa? So yeah, there's different ways of saying it, like look at me or hey, hey, hey. Um, and then there's the tone of voice, right? Like if you're really stressed and you're freaking out and maybe already you're yelling at people like a sergeant, people start getting extra jitterish. Or you could be the guy who is like high energy, but in sending a different message right like where you're you're saying like hey guys 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 let's do this shit together you know and and it hypes people up and kind of unites people so i think it's a great skill to have is like how to not just read the room but also send messages like what kind of message are you truly sending i think that's a big a big thing for dota players regarding this topic that you're saying like how can i get a message across without adding stress and having people kind of believe in themselves still because i'm asking for something or yeah it's complicated, so, but you can try. We can try and simplify it. So you try to paint like a a picture or a goal in mind, but you let people's own creativity and their own perspective fill in the gaps, so that they end up allowing themselves to remain feeling creative and adaptable. Otherwise, you adhere to this strict interpretation of what you of a call you made to precise. Exactly. If you don't make people. Yeah, f go towards the same place together. You're one guy trying to control four legs. It's, it, <laughs> it's madness, you know? You are both, yeah, you have to be faithful to each other. Same thing is if I start doubting my hand's ability to clench, we're, we're, we're getting into a range of issues, right? Like if the fingers start acting on their own. So yeah, extending this into, this this transcends Dota, right? I believe so. I believe that this goes beyond Dota. This You can you can put this in the kitchen on a stewardess, steward, flight situation. Like any group of people who are trying to work together, they're working for the same goal. It's about figuring that out and, and yeah, trusting that people are going to do their, fulfill their role, do their best. And when you then insert hierarchy, shot calling, or like, I mean, Dota is an amazing thing because of this, right? We go into one hour of super intense, like warfare. Shit happens all the time and, and shit hurts and shit can be great victories and great defeats. So people sometimes get very emotional and it overtakes. Um, but it's cool for us to try and learn to balance this. I don't know. Dota is a great simulation for high intensity and emotions and like, ah, shit, you know, fuck, it's going down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the the TI was, I think it was great to watch. Uh, I, th I think the finals was not the best compared to some of the matches. And that just happens. 
you know, when one team is really dominant in the finals, they absolutely deserve it. I love three zeros for that reason. Tundra, uh, I think they played great. I hadn't had my eye as much on them, and and now people should have their eye on them more, right? Like because of that. But I I really enjoyed the Liquid games, and uh, you know, of course, I was following Chrysalis because he's from the Netherlands as well. Uh, yeah, I think it was a it was a great show. Um, you know, some production foibles. Hopefully, <laughs> they they fix that, and we'll get an amazing twenty three <laughs> Ti. Oh, okay. So you you pointed that out. I mean, I don't want to focus on it because I I also want to focus mainly on the competition. I think yeah. these things are. I mean, yeah, some tournaments are going to be better than others. I do hope we don't see this at TI next year. Uh, yeah. I'm sure everybody was really upset about it. I mean, for us, we found it kind of funny and and how other people like when the third game of the finals the stream broke down some other people suddenly became the mainstream and stuff it has its place too i feel like i mean shit happens it sucks but but hopefully yeah next year some some better stuff um yeah. but it's funny you notice as a viewer because uh, I, I was wondering what she from from over there well uh, what happened for me is that i i would go to sleep at like 4 a.m and then i would wake up at 5 30 for the first night so i was absolutely dead like when I normally start sleeping for eight hours, that's when I watch TI for eight hours. So I got like one hour nap in. And mm -hmm. then the next day was a little better. I got like five, six hours. I was still dead by the time the final started. After game two, I just couldn't anymore. I decided to watch the final game on the kitchen table uh, during my supper and my nighttime tea, which it was like 2 p.m. So that was weird. Mm. And then uh, I, I would like try to watch because I really enjoyed it. And I could finally watch with the cast because I'm not streaming it, which arguably for me, it was more enjoyable to listen to it with the cast because the casters are so okay. good. Yeah, they're so, so good. So I'm there. I'm at the kitchen table and I just fall asleep on the kitchen chair. Then I wake up and I see a scene. I'm like, I think I've seen that before. Wait, are they replaying it? And then the stream went down. I saw the same scene again and I'm like, am I hallucinating? Yeah. I'm falling asleep <laughs> and I'm waking up and I see the same scene three times. I'm like, I'm done. And then I went to bed and <laughs> I went to sleep. I thought it's probably 3-0 anyway. Uh -huh, I couldn't anymore. Uh -huh. I was so tired. Then I woke up. I read Reddit. I was like, damn, they did play the same thing three times. <laughs> We were watching backstage, it was a mess, you know, because we were watching live and then it did the same thing and we were trying to figure out like, no way, like, no way, this has to be an hour and like something inside the arena or something, right? Like happening. But yeah. So oh, well. the, the day of the finals, we had the monkey business show right after. So we were like trying to get out of the venue like seconds before the game will finish. In case it was 3-0 also, we had right. to kind of see if the game was going to be, you know, for sure, yeah. for sure. Right. So it was, we were already running out as we saw that they were going high ground. They were like, there's no way they're going to stop them, you know? So we are like, at that point, we're like literally full running out of the venue because otherwise we get rushed and we couldn't get it to the cars. Um, so I, I didn't get to see actually them racing the ages in the, in the arena because mm. we had to be on the other side. Dedication. But I would say that the last day, the last few hours of the tournament, they, there was no, there was not a huge amount of energy in the stadium because it was really that dominant. I think the secret liquid was way more hype, you know, the yeah. arena because the games were like back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you, yeah. You let the tournament unfold. Like players will yeah. make of it what they're gonna make of it, and uh, as an organizer, you can only yeah. hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, competition didn't live up to uh, to Tundra's you know level that they set. Um, so that happens too. 
and I think it's cool. I mean, cool for Tundra, less cool for the rest, uh, but it will be cooler. You know, it will motivate people, I think, for the next season to also do more um, and to figure it out more because I also think the DPC is going to change a lot in maybe overall fatigue level. I think fatigue level was extra high this year just because the year was also so intense. Was it? The D- yeah, it's really intense for the guys who are qualifying through the DPC and who are really trying to secure this uh, slot for TI. Everybody wants to secure it early, so everybody's trying hard really early. And it's this it's been this very tedious grind of uh, six weeks online. And then you had like a boot camp before the major. So you're more or less playing, I think it's like eight out of the 10 weeks or even more. And and you're, you're really grinding it. It's like you, you don't have time in between, even though you only have one game a week, the whole meta starts shifting. Also from that, from that uh, series of official games that happened, every new idea gets scrutinized, every new concept lane, everything people try to counter. So at least for a lot of people, and I think for a lot of people who had adapted to a different system, creativity is, you have to come up with a lot more. You have to keep the grind going and people take a lot of your shit. Um, so yeah, that amount of competition, eight weeks out of 10, it's, it, it burns people out really hard. And that's the major. And if you don't make it, or if you make it, and you do, but you don't feel like you had enough points, you have to do it again mm-hmm. very soon. And then there's tournaments in between and stuff. I think a lot of teams came to TI like deflated. Like very burned out. Yeah, I imagine that a, a layman could look at it and be like, "One match." Oh, they're playing video games. What, what are they yeah, crying about? Yeah. Or like <laughs> one match per week, you get a lot of time to rest, and then you think, yeah. "Hey, it's a competition. However many days you have yes. for a match, that's how much you need to put into it." The, yes. If you had one match per month, that would be even more intense because you get a month yeah. to. <laughs> like yeah. strangely enough, because like in in theory, if you play. Like if you've got like two weeks to prepare and then you play 10 games in a row, it's like, yeah, it's grueling, but you've prepared for two weeks and now you're just free floating on your experience, your adaptation, you're just competing and your adrenaline. But it's that long drawn out schedule that has you constantly on edge to find a new revolution in, in in the meta, that's for sure. But do you think that it's even more intense in a team game? Because I remember... I. I never really took off days. The only off days that I had when I would have like 35 tournaments in a year, I would travel like two, three times per month to tournaments. The only off time I had was when I'm literally in the plane. I'd be constantly practicing. I didn't necessarily burn out, I think. But is it more intense with the team? Because you need to align schedules, mindsets, solve problems. I think so. I think a human element adds a lot of frustration to people's lives. But it's more so I, I cannot speak for every team but even the teams that have managed to have great success from online still feel a lot of the burnout but the teams i've been on i've always liked to have you know the peak performance and for me peak performance happens when pe- people get together as well and then they sync up and it's fully international teams every time with me so it's it's people having to agree like we're going somewhere in the world for a while together and then people have to put their lives on hold you know there's no such thing as as life as in next to this right like you can have your life together then but now you're yeah you're also constrained a bit and then there's a lot of of course playing you're you are spending your whole time playing the game um i love it again i wouldn't sacrifice uh i I wouldn't change any of the sacrifices i've made in the past i'm at some point i think you're not ready to make the same amount of sacrifices or x amount of time or at all anymore uh but for me like yeah we, we we did a lot of this I would say for 10 months of the year, you know, more or less sacrifice all your shit for 10 months of the year or be ready to play. Um, yeah, it's it's been long years, like very grueling, 
Um, and I think I think next year will be different. Also, I think it's it's uh, it's going to be better for the competition. It's going to be better for Dota uh, that they change the DPC. What yeah. happens next year, and what what can we expect in the coming weeks and months for esports? I have not really followed a regular season of Dota through esports. So I'll help you out a little bit. So this is the first time we actually have a, a long off season. So okay, first time. So normally uh, after TI, you literally have two weeks and you're back into the grind. But this time, teams from Division 1 are only playing in January. Mm. And teams from Division 2 will play after January, like after Division 1. So during December, the only thing that we think we're going to see is qualifiers to Division 2. So think about it. The tournament finishing the last day of October. You're going to have all November and mid-December. So it's a month and a half. So this is Minimum. the first time that the guys have holidays, like real holidays. They have gone out, not played computer games for like a month which I think is very healthy, very, very healthy for their minds. And now we're going to have the, the new DPC. It's a shorter DPC. So instead of being six weeks of competition, it's going to be three weeks. So it's three weeks of Division 1, then right after it goes Division 2, and then there's a cap, and then there's the Major. Mm. The idea of having Division 2 instead of at the same time having it after, it also allows people to get visas. Because mm. we will. one of the problems that we had is that, okay, we... Imagine the last game of the season, you know, of the DPC is going to see who goes to the major or not. So we're all sitting in our hands, you know, like, okay, if I, if I make it, you know, and I win, I have to figure out how to get North American visas in eight days, eight days which is, or nine days or whatever long it is, you know, like it's, it's very complicated. And a, tri and a trip. Correct. So, well, the trip will have a little bit more time, but you have to file the paperwork. So now uh -huh. we're going to have, I think it's like three weeks, uh, three, four weeks between the DPC and the major will allow us to do those things now. So it will be three weeks, gap, major, three weeks, mm -hmm. gap, major, three weeks, gap, major, and then gap, qualify to TI and TI. So this is like, oh, so this is, sounds very healthy. This is amazing. You know, there's not a lot of content. Yes. The problem or the challenge is that everybody else is going to try to fit, fit uh, tournaments all around the season. So this time that you have three weeks and then a gap. Then it's like, oh, well, we can play an online tournament. Oh, we can do other things. Because otherwise, you don't really play that many games throughout the year. Mm -hmm. You're going to play seven games and then nothing for a month. The audience want more games. Teams want more games. In a way, players might want more games. We went, it was a very funny dynamic. Our uh, old team was a very experienced team. So they were not that eager to play everything. Mm. But last year, we have a team of kids. They want to play everything. Like, honestly, if there is a high school team, they want to play it. So they are constantly messaging me saying, can you feed any other tournaments? Can you feed any other screens? Can you feed other things? Wow. So Johan, how do you see this, this, I say dynamic, you know, now that we're going to have much more condensed season? I mean, I think it's overall better for competition. It's overall better for players. As for the fans, I think as long as the fans have demands, I'm pretty sure we have enough tournament organizers ready to deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's enough opportunity for it to happen. The gaps will always be filled out. I don't really like, yeah, the the two stretched out group stage that was the DPC last year. I I mean, I don't know if it's too long still because it's just three week group stage online. Um, but I think it's a great huge step in the right direction. So nice. Um, I think Dota will get better and better. Like I, I started getting a lot of high hopes. I think this TI left me with that feeling. Also, because you get to see a lot of the people, the wild people, everybody was so nice. It was the best 
after party kind of wrap up that I had ever seen at any TI. I don't know. It was really good vibes, really good vibes. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It gave me high hopes for Dota as a as a whole for next year, but let's see. Let us see. I don't want to say things too early because we're also facing, you know, not calamities, but uh, we're always facing things in the world, right? And now there's going to be yeah. potentially great monetary recession. Dota did, or Dota Esports did great during COVID. Uh, let's see how esports and entertainment industry will look like in the coming years. Um, hopefully there's enough space for everything and, and everybody feels hyped and, and as ready as ever to... I mean, work on the game and create a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that next time, G-Man, you have to come with us to, to TI. <laughs> you missed a, a great experience and it was, it was so fun. And I think that this is the way that I, I'm projecting myself into you. But I, my, my experience of Dota has always been far away and always watching it far away. And I, now that I have the show with Johan and now I have, I, I run this company with him and with Seb, I found that a lot of fans were more aware of who I was and I felt that I was actually part of the community. And dude, it was awesome. It was so cool. Everybody's so nice. I, during the, the, let's say we were there for three weeks, every single interaction that I had was nice with all the fans. Yeah. yeah. So it was not like, like the, it was not like the Korean uh, pop fan. They're just thoughtful and nice people that we just, you know, share this experience of this game that we love. A lot of people are quite adults. They have kids and they have families and we got to meet them. And dude, I will have loved you to be there and hang out with us because it was, it was amazing. Yeah, we, uh, we, we really wanted to go. It was like exactly on the fence whether we could or not, but mm. we, we couldn't make it out this time. If we had gone, we would have also stayed for a while, you know, because we, we, we love Singapore. And uh, since recently, I I, I was I've been part of the Dota Two community, so I was like, oh, the TIs in Singapore is so lucky. Let's go. Yeah, yeah didn't work this time. Uh, maybe next year. Yeah, but you know, once I figure out where they are, and, and you know, I'll, I'll see. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to attend one of these tournaments. Watching it, in, watching in person with like an audience thundering about every move. That uh, I've always loved that feeling. Have you ever been to a Dota event yet? I've been to I've been to Warcraft three tournaments okay. that I've had Dota okay. probably yeah but I, you know I, uh, probably Dota events have been happening since two thousand and five so I you know I've I've met many players and but I okay. never really got into it because I was always laser focused on uh, on on RTS and some people are like uh, wouldn't you have liked to join way earlier like 2011, 2012? yeah with what I know now it would have been freaking awesome. Even just to get into it a bit to enjoy the esports, but I think it's a good time to get into it now for me. To uh, you know, I'm, I've been steady on my grind. I I played all the heroes, uh, calibrated in heralds, and I've been climbing up to guardian and then crusader, and then what's what's after crusader again? I bet you don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. I know there's ancient somewhere. Uh, crusader goes to. Archon, I believe, and then I got the legend, and Archon then I, there. Then I yeah. dropped back down to Archon again. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, bad games, but I'm playing every role. Like, there's always something new to explore, not a hero that you haven't played a lot yet to start learning another position, and it's it's just a lot of fun. What's been the what's been the one that left you with the best taste in your mouth so far, dude? I didn't realize it at first, but I'm playing something that's just like the Blade Master from Warcraft 3. I thought Juggernaut Jug was going to be like Blade Master, but he's not. Yeah. It's Klinks. 
Oh, I am your search complete. Yes, hello. Work complete. What is there? Pace of my blade. Wait, yes. Ah, super fast. Yeah, moves, the windwalk. Move, yeah, move super fast and invisible. Huge crits. The barrage is like a crit. Mm -hmm, so you delete mm -hmm. people from out of nowhere, and then you can re-windwalk again. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it turns out that I, I love to just burst someone from the darkness and then disappear again. It's a good hero. It's a good hero, I, I think, anyway. I think it's an amazing hero. I think he's a lot of fun. And besides Klings, I'm really enjoying the support role. I didn't expect it at first. I thought, you know, I've, I've, I'm always creeping and I'm always busy in RTSs. So I figured it must be position one. The position one is stressful, man. You have the least tolerance for mistakes, it looks like. If you die, it's the worst thing ever. You need to be very self-preserving. And sometimes I'm like, <clears throat> we all die or we all kill together. Let's go in all the way. But you got to be like, mm, there's a 7% chance I die here. So I'm just going to leave everyone to die. <laughs> and then you go away. You speak like a true Dora carrier. <laughs> yeah, but the transformation is real. But that's not me, though. Like, I, I, it's very difficult for me to commit to that mindset, actually. And on some days, it's perfect. I'm like, tranquility itself. I'm like, this is a fight. This one is not for me. And you hear your friends ah. screaming and dying and you're like, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, uh, Die well, my friends. And, and I leave and I go farm another few routes. But it's, it's stressful because they'll blame you if it goes wrong. And if you make a mistake because you misjudge and mistakes happen a lot in Archon, believe me. No, no, no. Misjudging in Dota? Nobody has ever misjudged in Dota. Bro. <laughs> Dude, last night was so stressful. I was playing a game. Uh... Uh, two, two nights ago, two nights ago, a rapier dropped on the ground. I didn't know that an opponent had a rapier. We were doing really well. I was playing Enchantress position five, but I was fake five, mm. just like puppy. So ah. I was actually, <laughs> I was murdering people. I, I had taken Dubu, you, you know Dubu, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Dubu said, uh, at your rank, uh, I believe you should build Enchantress with Skadi and Tarask. <laughs> and a hurricane five. So okay. I had like five I found a giant ring and I equipped it. Uh, so I had five thousand two hundred health and my axe had like three thousand six hundred health. So I, <laughs> I was a tank. So I was in front. Game was running like 70, 75 minutes. And Ember Spirit on the enemy team, they had a divine rapier. And I didn't know that. So, you know, Dota 2 is so much about awareness and knowledge and looking at the minimap and checking enemy items and mana and your own allies' items. Did anyone build a Wraith Pact yet? What? No Wraith Pact even? Okay, I'll get it on position five, I guess. So, uh, enemy had a rapier. We killed him. I was busy trying to self-preserve and kill as well. So I didn't realize the rapier dropped. There's a little message in the chat, which I didn't read because I lacked the awareness. I'm... Mm -hmm. you know, I'm focusing on other things. Everyone sees their own thing on a team. And the correct way to do it, if you're in a public game, would be to say, a divine rapier dropped here. Could you pick it up? Well, of course, it's more stressful. It's more emotive than that. You're 70 minutes in. So people are like, divine rapier, divine rapier, it's here, it's here. I'm like, what, what, what? I start looking around. You know, I'm still trying to self-preserve. We're next to the enemy high ground. I'm looking around at the bushes, maybe the least likely places it could be because I didn't see it. So I assumed it happened peripheral vision. So I'm looking around the edges of the map and then they're like, it's here. Are you fucking blind? <laughs> and I think I'm not blind, but try to tell a man that there's something that they're not seeing and then asking them, are you blind? Does that actually help? 
It doesn't. Are you blind? Yes, I'm blind. That's why I can't find yeah. it. Help so me. Just tell me where it is. Be productive. Tell me in a positive way where it is so I can pick it up. And like it's here. Finally, I saw it. I step forward and I try to grab it and I fucking die because I get uh, jumped and it took too long. And like three people jump uh, on me and my team is already pulling back. I just moved the item and I. <laughs> uh, and then we lost because I was on the buyback. Um, I'm thinking like, man. So you threw, you threw the game? Is this how you're post-rationalizing how you threw the game? I guess. <laughs> like, okay, if, if I'm a better player, I'm not in Archon. So somehow we got to 75 minutes by everyone's mistakes and everyone's good moves. It's obviously very competitive because we are all making so much mistakes that the game has gone to 75 minutes. In many small little unquantifiable ways, I was partially responsible for getting us to that point and not losing earlier <laughs> and in other ways i'm responsible for getting us to that point because we didn't win earlier and the yep. same load is on all of my teammates shoulders every time they make a mistake i'm not like you did this badly are you disabled are you blind but in that moment for them it's so obvious and i get it they see it maybe are because they're blind? dead or because they saw it so anytime someone criticizes someone at their own level which is not immortal or 12k i always think that may be true, but we have the same MMR. So you're bad in different ways. Nah. So if I'm that yes. blind not to see a rapier, maybe that's a relatively easy thing to fix. But how are you self-reflecting? <laughs> I always tell that to people, everybody that I, every time that I play, like, oh my God, you're so bad. I was like, I am bad, which is why I'm in this rank. Yeah. Like, you're just as bad as me, you know? You're here with me in the trenches. This is not a trace that you just fell into when you were like, Cruising uh, and immortal. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're here with me. We're just bad at it. And we trust to enjoy the game together. Exactly. And then they're like, report enchantress or report clinks. I'm like, for what? For being bad? Report yourself. I am um, the best daughter for you. Yeah. But I was going to say something like for you, even on the highest level of Dota, when you're like 50 ranked, these people will look down to the guys that are like 130. Dude, you peasant, you know, you're 130 rank, you know, <laughs> I'm here on my 50 rank and you're 130. Yeah. I guess I, I heard Steph sometimes when we were playing, when he was playing, he was like, no, I'm getting like a low level pop. It's like, dude, everybody's like 300. And I was like, yeah, low level pop. You know? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, Johan, there is a huge massive discrepancy, right? Between the 300s and the tops. Not necessarily, but yeah, usually you, I would say you start getting more of a discrepancy for you. Yeah, like each hundred, but it also depends on role and stuff. Uh, but nah, I would say like a bigger discrepancy is probably like, yeah, you get to four or five hundred, starts getting different, 700, 800, they're still good. Uh, once you get to 1K plus, now well, now they call you 1K plus, you know, that's a big one. For you, 1K, 1K plus. rank one. But it, it also depends on region, like a lot. Like I would say um, rank 600 in China is extra scary. I don't know, they have less player base. Rank 600C is a lot better. Uh, so on and so on so I don't know MMR is just a number MMR is <laughs> just a, a number <laughs> have you been playing Dota lately Johan any other games yeah, yeah I've been playing more I, yeah. I did some base building games got tired did some Dota it's a lot of fun yeah played some awesome. Brewmaster but uh, there's also uh, there's also horrible habits in all games also in my games, horrible, horrible verbal, emotional habits. People are just really angry. They queued into this game to let some of the anger go. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating almost, you know? It's kind of like watching, um, 
watching like a National Geographic <laughs> documentary, like in the wild in Dota, like, ah, you fucked this up and you could just predict everything that's going to happen, you know? Wow. I did, I did something horrible the other day. So I haven't played any Dire Tire uh, the whole time, the whole season. I haven't really played Dota. So I got into a game the other day and I was Wind Ranger. And you can like hit these guys, you know, with the, uh, the, the ultimate. And it drops a lot of candies. So there was a point that I had 60 candies and I didn't know where to go with it. <laughs> and I thought at one point, it wasn't it like you take into your base. So I'm running around the fucking map trying to figure out what to do with this candy. <laughs> and everybody was saying no to the other side of the map. But I was like, no, you guys are trolling me. So this is that they were trying to help me, but I thought they were trying to troll me. So I'm a wind ranger with 60 candy running around the map, not knowing what to do with it. <laughs> Russian is chasing me. I don't know what to do. With it. So yeah, we lost the game. Everybody trash talked me. I lost the game for everybody. But I said to them at the beginning, it was like, hey, first game ever, you know, tell me what to do. So even when they did, I just didn't believe them. Yeah. So yeah, it's a problem with, with me. Yeah. And, and so are you talking about your teammates or your chat? So my teammate, I, I, I don't stream. So my teammate, oh, I said, yeah. hey guys, it's the first, I haven't played Dota in seven months. It's my first game of Dire Tire. What do we do? And everybody was like, well, you, you don't suck. I was like, great, great feedback. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they don't suck. <laughs> so I, I tried not to suck. And I was like, oh, maybe I can just blow people up. But yeah, so pretty much I got the candies that I didn't know I have to put them on their well. Mm -hmm. So Roshan goes to kill their well. That mm -hmm. I it never could mute. It never even crossed my mind yeah. that that was the whole game dynamic. So I just kill people and stack candy and got killed by Roshan. That was my game. How's how's your Chen, by the way, Krabi? You play Chen, then? You must have played all the heroes you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I 2-0 on Chen, but it was just un oh. unranked games. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, uh, almost nobody plays Chen. I think I've seen Chen in ranked from Herald to, uh, to, to Legend, from Herald to Archon. I've seen him maybe like two or three times, and they always lose. So I think like, yeah, I, I could learn him and... and specialize at him but i'm trying to learn dota before i learn the most like the bit more complicated heroes because otherwise i'll just be focusing on on my creeps it is funny though because every hero has like a certain aspect of the game that they skip that, that, mm, talk that, to me about it how, elaborate of course well with specter you right. skip uh your global positioning when your team fight is looking to connect and start a fight Right? I don't need to worry about where mm -hmm. I am. I just need to be safe, farming well, have my ult available and resources available and hit my item and ult timings. And uh, I was able to climb out of Herald to Guardian by not worrying about, hey, my ult is almost up. I'm looking to connect with my team to do a team fight. So I'm, I'm skipping that part. It was useful for me. And then with Tidehunter, I would skip trying to stay alive because he can't die. Right? So like each hero has something that and I don't need BKB with uh, Tide, so I can skip the the mental drain of hitting BKB at the right timing because he has a strong dispel when he takes too much damage. And when you play a hero like Naga, like uh, you you just send your clones everywhere. You're constantly cutting waves, cutting waves, cutting waves. But maybe you're not fighting with your team as much. At least I wasn't. Like I feel like every hero <laughs> there's there's like something you skip. And w with Chen. I don't think I'm going to be learning as much about like proper dewarding, warding, um, and like uh, proper normal early laning when I'm constantly managing all these creeps and I'm I'm like mounting pushes even though I'm position five presumably if that's if I'm playing him as a five. So I I pick some heroes sometimes when I want to skip on a certain part of the game that allows me to hyper focus on another. 
I don't think it's Chen time yet. Like with Clinks, you can easily recover from bad positioning because of the invisibility and the movement speed. Uh, mm -hmm. You can fix your mana by running home or TPing and running home. So every hero essentially has like a cheat. They're strong in like a really exaggerated different way. So it's fun to try different heroes and positioning. So I learn different aspects of the game and not all at the same time because it can be so overwhelming. For like hundreds of games, I, my first hundreds of games of ranked, I would feel pacified by the sheer responsibility of picking the right item at the right time. I would just have choice paralysis when I look at it. Like uh, by then I there's <laughs> like too much to choose from. Like ah shit. How do you know? Like I, I'm on Medusa. Should I get a satanic <laughs> or a rapier? Or no? Nah, it was just it was too much sometimes. But it's getting better. Uh, do you use quick buy? Uh, being what? Do you use quick buy? Yeah, uh, what what is a quick buy? No, quick buy. You haven't oh, yeah, used it? Yeah, yeah, I use it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, so like you'll line up your items and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it can help a yeah. lot and with most of the time. Yeah. There's some Sometimes heroes. Just... There's some heroes that follow a very specific item route, uh, always the same one. And that's really helpful because then I don't need to think about that. Right. But there's other heroes that are extremely adaptable. You need to adapt. You need to itemize for your opponent's items. So now you need to add the skill yeah, yeah. of enemy item uh, awareness. And then how to counter mm -hmm. that and so on. Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's been interesting. Do you think that Johan, when you maybe it's like the muscle memory has taken over, but are you rationalizing how your item buy, or is more like this is what it feels, this is what the game is telling me that I need? I mean, the problem is that you you often have more than one item you, you could go for. Of course, even in pro games. Uh, but I would say what dictates it a lot are the plays you're going for. Of course, it could be about countering the enemy. Like quite often, force have just, you know, hella shoots up in value. And some games it's going to be Yules gets a ton of value. And then depending on the hero, you can consider this. In some games, it's going to be mech because that's your role. You're doing a pushing strat. In some games, because your team is telling you, I want to fucking push and end this game, you're just buying a Dominator or a Vlads or whatever. I don't know. Things that could just, you know, help for one moment in the game. So I would say we, everybody could play Dora in a high level and buy items that are decent and have a place and maybe even show what that place is. But to really make items shine is to make it work as five, you know, like five dudes making the same play. You have one force step, you have two force step, and then you have a Greaves or you have a Lotus Orb, of course. I mean, you have this or that. Nobody buys Greaves anymore. But yeah, yeah, like you, you have tons of tons of uh, ways you could itemize depending on how you want to play the fight, what you want to do. Um, so I think it'll, it's a lot about teams will also get better at buying items with each other mm. once they play more together and play well together. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you, you of course, at some point, you don't really think about what items are in the game. You just think about like, which one of these three should I really be thinking about right now? And to it's, it's, it's a very interesting, I feel myself in a very interesting conversation because I have played more games than you. But I am obviously way, 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 way less talented as a player. So I think it's going to be fascinating to continue watching your, you know, your steady growth as a player because you're going to be able to catch concepts so fast. So far, what are, let's say, like the most challenging things that you see to, to really deeply understand in the game? Well, itemization was a big challenge for a long time. And I, I feel like it still is. I think... You need to know every hero from different aspects. So like a single hero, you have multiple talent, uh, you have multiple skill paths, you have multiple uh, item paths, 
And then you've got the path of, are you ahead of your opponent, even or behind? And you may not itemize or play the same way. And then there's your teammates and their intent. Are they an aggressive team? Are they a passive team? Then there's understanding the draft and your role in it and who you should be taking out on the enemy team and who you should be afraid of. And you need to have this mental pick. I think just understanding the overall game plan, our power spike, that's really tough. And I also find that I tend to see the game as a, as a timeless... I see every game as a timeless one-hour-plus game because people can <laughs> be really bad at ending unless it happens uh, coincidentally. Like, all the stars just align, not by design, but people just end up snowballing and then you end up winning in 27 minutes or the enemy has a brood mother and you lose in 20. So <laughs> there are, like, different... Generally, I find that whoever has the strongest late-game team has a better chance in my games because people are bad at ending. But there are so many different complicated... Like, I could play a hero for 50 times and I'm not even close to playing one hero for 50 times yet. And I'll, I could still have 5,000 new experiences with that hero based on my allies draft and the enemies draft yep. that require for different adaptations. So I would say there's a massive knowledge gap despite me learning and picking up things where every situation is different. Like, I have never been in that situation before is something I say 50 times a day, right? So uh, I, I would say the, the knowledge part is the hardest. I'm getting a little better at team fights before team fights felt like this to me. Huh. <laughs> and uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it gets a little better. It feels fairly zoomed in, Dota 2. Um, in Warcraft 3, we played very zoomed in for all of my professional career. Zoom out was actually a hack that was illicit at tournaments. In 2017, before Reforged was starting to get announced, uh, there were people using zoom out hack in, in, in broad daylight, which was frowned upon in the West. And it was literally just a cheat. The Western client didn't support that. But in China, the client, everyone was using it because the official partner for Blizzard, NetEase, was supporting it via the Warcraft Battle Platform. You could just zoom out. So, what? so then you've got Western players that play on Chinese clients for practice and to compete in Asian tournaments. They are allowed to follow the same standard without reproach, wouldn't you say, since you know all the Asian players are using it as well. So they can zoom out. But then when they practice on the West, they, of course, want to keep the same practice regime to, to use the zoom out that they are now used to and not play so claustrophobic close anymore. But that's still frowned upon in the West. So there was this... Uh, that's kind of weird. Like you've got a, a player from CIS that wants to compete in Asia, but in in the West he wouldn't be allowed to use it. So that eventually went away when the Western third-party community initiative also created zoom out capabilities. Controversial at first, but made the game experience better eventually. Now you're allowed to zoom however you want in Warcraft. Dota 2 still has one fixed zoom if people don't use hacks. And that's the only Zoom that's allowed at tournaments, as far as I know, with the standard Zoom. Wow. So, wow, I had no idea. So uh, Dota 2 Zoom, to me, feels like it could be zoomed out by 10%. I'll see more of the fight. Of course, it's an advantage, right, if you zoom out. But by keeping one standard, that is the competitive standard that everyone measures to. And I think that's correct. Um, but then, yeah, it, it, it really depends. In Warcraft, it was decided by the powers that be, that zoom out is an acceptable um, setting to tune with, just like mouse sensitivity. So I wouldn't say that one way is necessarily wrong or right. It's just that mm -hmm. you have to determine what is going to be the competitive standard for a game. 
and what is skill expression. And once you decide that, a fair player has to uh, adhere to that. Another example is you can't see mana pool from your opponents in Dota 2. This is a carryover from the 2002 Reign of Chaos Warcraft 3 standard, where you can't see your opponent's mana pool unless you click the hero. But later on in Warcraft, many years later, they showed uh, mana pool as a bar, a blue bar underneath the health of a... So you can see the enemy mana as an expression of the total blue bar. Uh, Dota 2 doesn't have that. So mm -hmm. they followed the older standard of Warcraft, even though Warcraft evolved past it. My initial mm. reaction as a competitor when I saw that was, that is unfair advantage, because I've trained the skill of clicking the opponent's hero all the time to check if they have enough mana for mana burn or for a Stormbolt. And now you're taking away that skill expression of not needing to check the enemy hero. And then the philosophical mm -hmm. question becomes, is this a, a, an interesting skill expression for pro gamers? Or is this something we could dispense with to allow for greater accessibility to the game, an easier time of learning for new players, while we already have skill checked the pros on that skill anyway, and now they can start focusing on more interesting displays of skill that the fans can appreciate. After all, if a fan is watching No-Tail in a tournament or any pro in a tournament, they're seeing the big flashy plays. They're not seeing you clicking the enemy mana. So essentially, it performs no entertainment value, but they do know that you had to learn that skill in order to be pro. There's this little implicit, subtle understanding that you were able to do that and others were not. But it's not interesting to watch, except if I'm watching your stream and then I see you do that. I'm like, wow, he's really fast at clicking enemy heroes and he's making decisions based on that. So for personal streams, it's an interesting skill. For tournaments, it's without value, except if you remember the implicit need to do that. So that could be an interesting question to the Dota 2 community and to the devs and to the fans and to, the, to you guys and everyone. Is not seeing enemy mana uh, an interesting expression of skill? And is the zoom level good? Or do, 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 I bet if you ask fans, low-level players, they're like, yeah, I want it zoomed out, I can see more. But we have begotten, we've gotten used to the pros using this standard of competition. So I, I, I'm not expressing any strong opinion how it should be, just that there can be a different way. So I think what people should put on the comments, because I actually think that you open a very interesting conversation. Johan, what do you think? Should you see the mana bar from the enemy? I would actually say no, but uh, at the same time, I wouldn't mind it too much. Uh, but I, I would probably cast a no vote at the moment. But there's another reason I would say yes, is that there's actually a an option that some people have learned to play with that also stems from Heroes of New Earth, that once you open your enemy, it follows it around for quite a while, like five or 10 seconds, and it does it on a different part of the screen. Um, there's only one or two pro players that still play with it, I they're, think. They're I think removing I, this. Yeah, they're removing it. Taiga, Taiga plays with it. Oh, they're removing yeah. it, though. <clears throat> when, when are they, they going through it? They haven't done they it They just yet? announced that they're removing it after TI. They said oh, okay, very okay. few players are using it, yeah. and it takes too much resources to bug fix it for the amount of people using it. Yeah, yeah, so I also think once that's out of the game, then it becomes more interesting. Because with that in the game, then yeah, they should show for everyone. Uh, but now, uh, yeah, I would say make people click and communicate, you know? Like you're playing anti-mage, you have to check who's low mana. If a teammate sees it and can tell you like, yo, uh, this guy, uh, I think maybe keep it. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind too much. But the zoom out, hmm, it's a good question. I feel like it adds a lot that it's not too zoomed out. It also 
makes more mistakes happen, yep. makes teamfights slightly more chaotic. So people who can read a bigger map or manage to read a bigger map will also have acquired more skill. I feel like it will be better than the rest. They have a higher ceiling. So I wouldn't like it to be too big, but at the same time, I can see how it's also interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Tough one. Tough one, to be honest. Not easily answered. I was pretty good no. at the chaos of uh, claustrophobic fights in early Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they when and when zoom out finally happened, I don't feel like I needed it as much as others. Therefore, I lost an edge. Part yeah, I see. I, I could see the same yeah, actually. Yeah. I actually like how claustrophobic the fights feel because it really is one of the biggest. Obviously, one of the massive difference between when Johan plays and when I play is that our ability to read everything that is happening. You know, I am consuming, let's say, a little slide of a cake, and Johan is eating the whole cake. He knows everything that is happening. For me, that's the beautiful, but I also feel that that's a beautiful part of a learning curve. Agree. The more I play, the more I get to consume information that is happening. Mm. I, I have a story for you guys. Uh, BCM is playing Haskar in a game. This is a story that we had on the bootcamp. He ultis the other player. On the animation of him jumping the Haskar, he clicks the courier, sets the quick buy, gets the item, he sees to send it to him, and then goes back to his hero as he's landing. Like, I was like, okay, like this is different. This is right now you're telling me that you can fly with your ears. I just simply <laughs> cannot believe it. In my mind, in that moment, I will probably click 16 times as I'm flying as Haskar, you know? Thinking that I'm gonna do more damage by the time I land, you know? That's mm -hmm. why it's like my vision of the game is so little and so narrow-minded. And that is beautiful to watch that pro players just have this incredible understanding. Johan is clicking all the lanes. Johan is clicking every item. He's clicking all the players. He knows how the other things are going. And that's where, in, in a way, I like esports because they can do things that I can't do. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing. So I always tell the story when people tell me, why do you at 37 are watching a kid just playing video game? It's like, I'm watching Jordan through Jordan's eyes. There is a beautiful artistry of what you guys do. So if you make it in a way more for dummies, then it starts getting like, I, I don't want to feel that I can be you. You know, if we're all superheroes, you know, then nobody's special. But I I actually you think you made a great point. Some of those things actually do not add entertainment value for the tournament. So yeah, super interesting. I would love to hear what people have to say. And the, and the question is- Zoom in or zoom out? The question is, where's the magic? Because we, we all agree there's a magic of watching top players perform their craft and you can dumb it down all the way. You keep doing little incremental changes that don't have any entertainment value. You simplify it, simplify it, simplify it. You're trying to appeal to a larger audience of people that aren't playing Dota 2 yet. And you're like, hey, it's more accessible now. But then eventually suddenly you realize that that thing that set pros apart, a uh, little bit too much has been lost and it's a little bit less magical. And that's the danger. At the, end, at the end of the day, I think you could answer it. If it really does make the game a lot more fun to play, it might be a very good idea. If it, at the end of the day, maybe takes away too much of the charm, because, I mean, I say charm but, uh, and or fun. I, I, I mean it the same. If, if things make the game charming and it attracts people to play the game, I think the player base is, at the end of the day, also what makes up by far the majority of the fans, or at least people who were players or love to play the game at some point. So I think it's... Yeah, more about if it adds to the game than if it That's doesn't. That's a very good point. Because so, if, if, yeah, if it, yep. if it takes away, then at the end of the day, I think you made a worse product. So I will say, I will tell you what my biggest challenge of Dota is. 
So there is the biggest challenge that I experienced in Dota is probably one of the reasons why people play Dota. So it's very complicated because the game changes so much that it's new and people want to play it all the time because it's new. But for me, I feel so lost every time I join and there is a completely different new patch. In a way, I'm playing the heroes the same way that I learned how to play them three years ago. And I find it always like it feels like someone else game like it feels like a different car that is not my car yeah. every time even though it's the same hero that i play 400 games yeah. so i always feel lost in the meta lost in the new items lost in what is happening but i get to enjoy the game my own way you know i am in a way quite a skill for my rank but i am completely clueless of what's happening in the game so what is for you what is the, the thing that gets you really to come back every time to the game for me there's there's, there's yes. so much to discover <laughs> uh, the discovery part is the one that is exciting yeah, the discovery part uh, I like the competition uh, like I said last time normally it's not easy to enjoy a game like this with so many uh, people because it's just too complicated for, for people to get into but it already has such a massive fan base Dota 2 that I'm able to immerse myself in this and at the same time have the stream run well uh, with it so it's it's a win-win for me a lot of people are a fan of the game and I'm a fan of the game. So those two together just meant that I have this switch in my career that I didn't expect because I was playing other games before. I still play them, but uh, I'm going uh, deeply into Dota too. Uh, the biggest risk is uh, for, for me, the biggest challenge has been the, the, the attitude sometimes of uh, maybe, maybe not the majority, but of, of some of the more, passionate sack beaters, right? back seaters. I, I, recently I had this uh, experience. I, I was like, how do you play Lina on position one if I wanted to do that? And uh, I looked at some 9,000 MMR replays, uh, a bunch of them. They all built Maelstrom, so I thought that should be okay. And then when I started, people were just like, you can't do this. You can't build Maelstrom on Lina. You got to stop. I don't remember the exact wording, but they got quite antagonistic with me. And I was like, I saw this from a 9,000 MMR replay. I'm assuming that's higher ranked than any one of us, including me. So I'm not saying it's definitively good, but I do want to try it in unranked. And people were just going at me like the world was ending. Like, this is a bad item. You're trolling. You're actually griefing. Report, report. And, I, and I'm like, okay, I haven't experienced a, a fan base of a game like this before. I know I've been warned a lot when I got into Dota 2. Oh. But like, my God, like the world was ending, bro. And it never happened to me in StarCraft or Warcraft 3 or Heroes of the Storm. Or oh, a bit more chill. So there's a lot of passion and so sometimes it's abused a bit. So back in the day when I started, like I'm talking way back before Dota 2, in Dota 1 Battle Night games, I would go play Nyx. And if you didn't buy Desolator first item nukes, you were you were an idiot, bro. You couldn't open a door. Like <laughs> yeah, they thought nothing of you. And then I cause I remember trying Dagon, some of the guys on the Nick Cafe was building Dagon, and it was like, Wow, this is better. That makes more sense, you know? No, 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 no. Like those like back in the day you would get flamed for doing anything out of the norm. And I think that's just the human tendency, right? Like if people build a norm or a meta and you you go out of it. That happens in every field. People who like to think they know things like medical field and archaeology and, and cooking and, and Dota. You know, once people start getting the idea that they know what's what and they see something else, they, I don't know, they, they feel like, oh, I have to. It's kind of true. I have to correct this. <laughs> it, it's kind of true. Like, uh, what about like uh, pineapple on pizza? 
pineapple on pizza is delicious. Three, two, one. Right, that's something a lot of people get passionate about. I'm neither passionate for yeah. nor against it, but being very passionately against it, it seems to be a kind of something that unifies people, a kind of tribalism of, of judging something together uh, to be bad, to put yourself above it. I'm not above pineapple pizza, nor is it my favorite thing in the world. Same with Nickelback. I think the music is okay, but get anyone to talk about it and you're a hipster like everyone else looking down on Nickelback. It's terrible. It's the worst thing ever. I don't think it is. Same thing with any item build, hero build, anything in Dota 2. I'm thinking, okay, let's see how it works out. Recently, I had an ally, Witch Doctor 5, did, didn't really help me in my lane that much, and he built Dagon level 5 as his only item. And then I'm thinking, okay, I, brilliant, I, brilliant I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> Maybe, okay. Maledicting to Dagon yeah, is great. You know? Makes Made, perfect yeah, sense. Perfect perfect there. It makes a lot of sense. Yet with the four staff, maybe we would have won for a tenth of the cost, right? So, uh, But not as fun. Not as no, fun for him. Not as fun. I'm not flaming him and I'm not saying it's the worst thing ever. I may think it's bad, but like, I'm not trying to like physically stop him and get him to step away from that ledge. But some people are very passionate about the thing. Well, bro, he's going to come back into your game. You're going to lose 60 MMR. How much MMR are you ready to lose before you're going to take physical vengeance upon your teammate? <laughs> yeah. No, but a lot of people, yeah, tend to, you know, just spurt out their frustration and then they come up with crazy things, man. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's have to not read into it. I actually think I, I, my, my whole perspective of the game have changed. Depends on when I was trying to climb or when it was not. Because I think that I, I did play the wrong way. And actually, I learned from Johan. He always told me when I was living with him, he's like, look, every single time you, have, you enter a game, forget about what you're trying to achieve, like, oh, in a bubble, you know? Now you are with these people. So you have to figure out, you know, like, how to have fun and how to win the game mm. with everything that is happening. Perfect. So if these guys building a Dagon, and Maledict, then how can you win the game with him building that? Because you can't control him, you know? So he's going to have incredible burst and he's going to have this. So now you have the ability to go against the current or just follow the current and just have fun with it. And that's a mentality that I've never really embraced at the beginning. Because in my mind, it's like, no, I'm going to win the game. I want MMR. I'm climbing. Get out of the way, you know? Yep. Get out of the way. No, buy this fucking thing, buy Shadow Cloak and... So true. But now what I do is that I don't actually, I don't queue rank. <laughs> so that's my solution. My solution is if, if I'm in a rank game and my Witch Doctor position five buys Dagon Maledict, I will get tilted. <laughs> but if I'm in a non-rank game, have fun, you know, I'll, 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 I'll go with you. I'll buy you the Eidos, you know, um, you can just hit them twice. I think it's actually so true The no-till advice that you just mentioned, because I remember so many games also in Hearts where... I could get so tilted if people draft bad. Like we need a tank and they go punch stitches. And he's like not really a tank because he stands on the back line trying to hook. So now we got no initiation if he misses his hook. I'm like, I would get tilted. But once you start seeing every game as a clown fiesta where anything can happen and you don't try to win because you, you, should, you should actually not go into a game trying to win. You, you, I 100% agree with that. Like, You'll endeavor for a win. You're not going to throw. You're not going to AFK. You're not going to grief. If you win, it's nice, but you can't need the win. And then you look at everything and you're like, okay, how would the story look like 
if we won with this Witch Doctor 5 Dagon, how funny would that be? And how do you do it? There you it's go. It's so much healthier mindset. How do you enable it? How do you make it happen? Make the crazy come true? I think that for me, like, this is the thing that I, another thing that I learned from Johan. I've learned so many things, like so many shit. Uh, sorry, like, he's, he's been like my, like my guru of, of life and about all these things. If I'm having a bad day, I'm like, fuck, I'm having a bad day. Let's just going to go and join Dota game. No. You don't go to Dota to throw your shit that you have in your personal life into these poor people that are playing. Now what I do is I play tower defense and then I chill. I go to Dota actually when I'm in a great mood and I want to have fun with a bunch of people. And from the beginning, the moment that I enter, it's like, okay, guys, I haven't played in a while. I'm sorry, you know, help me out. I make a mistake. It's like, oops, you know, really sorry. And I found people are not really laying on me. They realize that I'm really clueless at this, and it's incompetency, not really trying to troll them, you know. And it's unranked. Yes, it's unranked. <laughs> I don't, I don't rank anymore. No, no, no. They, yeah. Everybody gets too anxious, you know, when they're ranking. Yeah. Look, this is my my obviously at the end of this of the show. This is my love letters. I continue watching your stream. It's been awesome, and I can see how you're really enjoying the game in a different way, and you're playing the heroes and do like. There is so many things that I'm learning as a player, even from your stream, even though I have played differently, that it's awesome. I hope you're having fun and I hope you continue doing it because it's been truly amazing watching your, your stream. Thanks very much. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I could see myself doing this for a lot more. And uh, well, you should stream sometimes, no tell. I'd love to watch. And, and JMR? You stream some of your crazy sessions. I'll watch too. <laughs> no, I would love to join you guys uh, just for fun in one of the games, but I, I'm really enjoying a lot of the mini games, you know? All the ability things and all that. I don't know. I, I just really like Dota. Ability Arena is good too, if you haven't tried yeah. it yet. It's, it's good fun. Uh, Jen it's like a good... Uh... Jenkins invited me for like a, a little sum sum with Ability Arena. I haven't played yet, but uh, apparently we're playing soon. So it should be fun. It's really fun. Okay, yeah, you should definitely like. It's scary because you can get hooked as well. Like it is very. It's one of those games you you think you're going to bed. You play one game at like seven eight. You think you're going to bed. You're gonna end up playing four or five the first time you play. It's very hard to say no. Yeah. So let's make a commitment. Let's try to figure out how we can meet somewhere in the world in either one of the majors or one of the activations that we do with with OG. Because, dude, people have to enjoy you in person as well. I think you will you will love. Like our community in person. I think it's going to happen next year. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining this episode, and we'll see you guys next week.